Good morning, everybody. Love Talk Radio. I hope you're all doing well, whether it's morning or the nighttime. Uh, we are going to talk about bullying today. Oh, isn't that sound delightful to you? Just so exciting, such a positive sort of experience to do. You know, one thing that I think the bullies really do contribute to our lives, isn't that a strange thing to say, is that they really force us to become as courageous and daring and, and effective and efficient at defending ourselves and really being able to take care of ourselves. It also allows us an opportunity to be heroes for those that need need rescue. So as a consequence, I'm not going to really look at bullies in this very second as the worst thing on the planet. But I do say that what tends to be really difficult about bullying is that when we are not prepared for having to deal with them in our lives, we tend to be overwhelmed by them. It's like dealing with the difficult people in your life but worse. (laughs) So we're going to talk about bullies today and how you can deal with them. I want you to know that the first thing I think you need to know about dealing with bullies is that it's part of our social fabric. It's part of our nature as human beings. I don't think that's a really positive quality to say about us as human beings, but when you get a cluster of people together, you know, two, two to three people, two people conflict, three people, there's always one that um, can create difficulties. And then when you add that to the equation, you're going to always have a bully present. It's just part of the social culture. And I'm not trying to say just in that it makes it, oh, okay, so just the way it is. But the truth is, in terms of human nature, we coexist with bullies on a regular basis. You know the old adage that you're never more than eight feet away from a spider at any given moment? Well, I think that's probably pretty true for bullies. You're probably not any more than three people away from a bully. Someone around you is going to do something that's going to put you down, defame you, create a kind of libel statement about you, gossip about you, think thoughts that are going to be expressed in nonverbal sorts of fashions that aren't so pleasant about you. I can go down the list. You have to know that you're going to encounter bullies. And on the other side of the fence of it, I mean, be honest for a moment. Clearly, there have been times when we've all been bullies. And I don't think this is just a self <laughs> a self revelation here. Um, haven't there been times where you just got so upset with someone cutting in line that you got rather bullyish, or perhaps you yourself cut in line because you just didn't want to deal with things, or did you cut someone off in a parking lot when you grabbed the parking spot before you did and then flipped them off, or? Did you threaten someone by driving too fast because you're angry because they're walking too slow in the draw in the part in the in the crosswalk? I could go on. These are really benign examples, but as soon as you or anybody puts themselves in a position of intimidating someone, threatening someone, making someone feel that perhaps their safety is not in your hands, uh, whether it's emotional safety or physical safety there is a possibility that you have crossed that line of bullying. And I'm not sure exactly where that word 
bully line is going to be established in your consciousness. I know where it is for me. I think that we are coming to terms with it more and more in terms of society, where it is for everybody else. I want to point to the impact that various factors in our society have on us. First, let's go to our television set. Right now, if I go to a television set and and turn on the 300 channels that I have, I know that 90% of those channels are going to have action scenes where there's some sort of violence or danger being perpetrated towards someone else. And usually that violence is being perpetrated by someone that's bullish and dangerous and needs to be contained by society. We are very, very big on crime-type television set shows, and as a consequence, we're very, very big on defeating the bully or seeing how the bully tries to defeat the good guy. It's just born into our nature. But it goes even deeper than that because we're also really sucked into this sort of perspective by our news, which portrays nature as a kind of bully, political scene as kind of bully, um, our needs and our wants and our fears that we can't get them as kind of a bully against us. It's everything's working against us. We're the salmon kind of swimming upstream and will we be able to fight the odds? Maybe, maybe not. We're always living in that kind of state of... But what are the odds? Who's in my way? Who's the difficulty here? So the media really does place into our consciousness strongly those things that make us all very intrigued to listen to media and simultaneously the very thing that kind of cultivates our consciousness in terms of thinking of situations and circumstances as potentially threats. So does this type of media input make us numb to the experience of other bullies in our lives, or does this make us more inclined to feel our vulnerability? Uh, it, does it make us simultaneously identified more with the bully because they're usually the richest, the most cunning, the most savvy, and in some cases the most uh, clever? What, what does the impact of what we allow ourselves to be entertained by have on our consciousness in terms of bullying. It's just worthy of considering. There's another influence on our our minds, our attitudes about bullying that's really kind of significant, those of us that try to keep up with international news or know individuals that live in other countries or have relatives in other countries. We are we're always confronted with our own and also the stories of other countries and how they're treating people. And this is especially true this summer. For example, did we or did we not see Libya, Syria, Tunisia, and Egypt all cluster together as well as other countries and the people in there revolting against being bullied by their military, their militia, by subdivisions, by rogue dictators or by dictators or by rulers that were somehow oppressing them so that they were saying our government is bullying us. And more often than not, reporters would use the word bully in their description of that. Let's look at our experience with China. I know that we are all a little bit scared about China taking over our financial well-being and a reason to be. That doesn't make China the bully. It just makes China more savvy financially than we are currently, from my point of view. But nonetheless, China has quite a history of being a bully in our recent history. But let's not forget that China 
puts down protesters, peaceful protesters. Let's not forget that they ran over their own citizens or threatened their own citizens in tanks in their own public squares and then threatened anybody that dares to talk about it, even though they're standing in the same arena where it took place. But let's not forget that China also monitors Internet activity quite severely and uh, is quite uh, harsh on those individuals and those businesses that cross the boundaries of their Internet communication or exploration. And let's also not forget that they imprison their poets and their protesters and that we tried, the world collectively tried to bring a lot of attention to this by providing the Nobel Peace Prize to one of their peaceful protesters, and I'm going to not say his name correctly, but Liu Ziova. I wish I could figure out how to say that. Because he's such a great writer, such interest, and he has such uh, gentility, and yet he is so strong in facing an enormously antagonistic and oppressive, gigantic military government called China. And I pause to make all of us to really think about that for a moment because we tend to think of ourselves as pretty small in the process of what type of bullies do we take on. And not all of us need to take on bullies. There's another thing that just within the last month, September 11th, 10 years ago, our country was bullied by terrorist activity, 9-11, and brought us into awareness that we needed to make sure we had good homeland security, which has bungled and attempted to be good, but nonetheless is something that has been implemented with a much more definite consciousness that there's a world of bullies out there and they could very much be um, part of their, their list of victims. So there we have it, uh, a consciousness in terms of Hollywood, our entertainment, what we like most, our gaming, our gaming, our entertainment, our uh, the thing that kind of gets us excited about news, our media, what we select to watch is filled with this process of being engaged with what's the bully, what's the victim, and, and what's, what's the end of the story. Who wins? Uh, our our political venues are about bullies and who's going to stand up against them and who's going to suffer underneath them. Let's talk about one more category. I just think this is not going to be everybody's favorite one, but I think it's extremely important. I call my white-collar bullies um, so that we have our white-collar bullies that can use their power and their knowledge to make other people suffer loss um, and suffer uh, fear for the well-being of their own life. I think Bernard Madoff was definitely one of these type of bullies in that he cleverly took so much money from people, trusting people, intelligent people, informed people, people who provided them with money they would need for their retirement. And he gained tremendous amount of wealth by bullying people in a very seductive, clever, gentle way into giving them money. So I think we need to be really aware that we have these white-collar bullies, too, that are they're stealth, but they're dangerous. They're the snakes in the, in, in, in the grass. 
and they can bully in a subtle way. So I would ask us to also take a look at the investment professionals and the investment institutions, some of which are now clearly being investigated, thankfully, for illegal activity against people bullying them out of their homes, claiming they couldn't make payments for their household um, for 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 them for their loans, and also not even assisting them when they could have so easily assisted them and rescued them. And we're going to go through another rain out of that type of bullying that we allow in our society against the, against those of us that the 99 percenters. We need to really take stock on what we allow. Okay, I'm going to take a shift here because it's also now it's going to begin to feel to most of you like now I'm going to cross the line of what you might consider bullying. So we could go to the bullies at school. We could go to the bullies on the cybernet. We could go to the bullies in families. I mean, now we're going to go to the more familiar and personal aspect of it. But you have to realize that we are in a context of what goes on around us. And it's that context of what goes on around us that gives us a certain type of consciousness about what we will endure, tolerate, accept in our lives. And we do definitely accept far too much in our lives. Here we go. Ready? Let's talk about substance abuse and bullying. It's quite evident that individuals that engage in alcohol or other mood-altering drugs will at one point or another in the course of the use of their alcohol in a given evening or afternoon are going to be more inclined to be aggressive physically and verbally because they disinhibit the normal parts of the brain that make individuals tend to be more civilized and polite, even in a state of conflict. So you have to realize the more substance abuse is present, the more you're going to have disinhibition of those physical and verbal intimidations that definitely cross the line into bullying. An adjunct to that particular type of thing is that you see bullying when you have individuals going to school grounds where they're children and teens, college students, and they are recruited to sell drugs, not only to use them but to sell them, and then the cartel's representatives begin to lure them deeper into the selling of the drugs with money. And then when that no longer is um, having the effect that they wanted to have, they will use the act of intimidation. So the drug scene itself has this built-in infrastructure of intimidation and bullying to keep people part of their, their system. And that's not to be toyed with. As of October 14, 2011, you can read about article, about exactly this sort of idea going on in Texas where they're aware that the Mexican cartels are messing with the youth of their state. Families are, are an interesting domain to talk about in terms of bullying. So, for example, how can families actually create bullies? What the research tends to indicate is that when you have a paternally dominated family uh, where the subgroups are, 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 are uh, when they define masculinity in terms of aggression and dominance and the ability to fight, this is really fertile grounds for grooming bullies that will go out and attack others in the community. They often will protect the family but also abuse the members of the family. But outside that community, anybody that's different in the community, is fair play for bullying. Parents who also rely on repeated harsh and intimidating condescending criticism to, in order to gain, quote-unquote, respect or gain, quote-unquote, cooperation, 
that will brew anger and antagonism in those children. And likely, they're, they're either going to take that anger and antagonism out on themselves, the children, or they're going to take it out on their peers or, or those people they considered weaker than they are, or they'll go inside their family as well. Parents also who depend on a lot of physical punishment, a lot of yelling, a lot of authoritarian or oligarchic dominance, they will also create resentment, hostility, and emotional pressure. And that stimulates children to learn to be able to bully other people, more in terms of of, uh, of the fact that they want to be able to express, cathart, dominate others um, who are defenseless, the same way they feel defenseless around these very hostile and aggressive parents. So parents, beware. You might actually be creating bullies, and you have no idea that your child is creating that repercussion down the road. See, children are exposed to abuse by parents, and they're also exposed to abuse by watching parents becoming verbally and physically abusive with each other. And, and, and what's so interesting is that we as human beings, we tend to imitate the attitudes and actions of the most powerful person in a situation. And often the misperception in my mind is that the dominant parent who is abusive or bullying is perceived as the most powerful person. And therefore, a child's more likely to act like that most powerful person uh, in order to be able to have a position of strength. There are those few children that are kind of conscious and decide they'll never become as ugly and disgusting as the abusive parent. But that takes a lot, a lot of consciousness. Another way that abusiveness or bullying is actually cultivated within the arena of the family is parental prejudice or intolerant points of view toward other groups who are different. And where other groups are determined as immoral, inferior, bad, worthless, worthy of being hurt, um, they're hurting society, so therefore they have to be destroyed or maimed. We certainly did see this with Ku Klux Klan. We certainly did see this with Nazism. We certainly see it with people that, with the uh, hate crimes that are taking place often with, against African-American gays, Jews. We can go down a very long list of where the family becomes the teaching grounds for children feeling right about developing hate crimes or bullying activities. Another way in which bullies exist within families is that they're often, they can often be seen as what's called the identified patient. Identified patients in a family or in a group is usually the one that will do all the expressing of some sort of yuck that's going on in a family. So one person may express all the anger, outrage, and all the complications that are really engulfing the family, but that one person is kind of like what everybody funnels that junk into. And that one person can be a bully because they're really trying to screen out all the pain and the angst and the yuck that's going on in a family. So another area is you've got to realize that one child within a family who's more aggressive or dominantly bent than another child, that child, the aggressive or dominantly bent child, is likely to abuse the weaker child. That intra-sibling abuse or bullying is really common in fact, we take it for granted. We often hear, well, brothers will be brothers, children will be children, boys will be boys. Oh, you know how it is in the family. There's always squabbling. But you have to be aware that if a child has certain diagnostic qualities, that they're going to be more inclined to actually be abusive toward another sibling, a smaller sibling, a weaker sibling. So you have to be aware, again, the family will cultivate the arena in which the abusiveness is grown because if the, the aggressive child gets away with turning the aggression into bullying, they will carry that out as well. It's okay. It doesn't really matter. Take it for granted. It's light. 
But it comes down to the significance of it. It doesn't really matter. And everybody else that seems overly bothered by it, they'll go, oh, they'll be dismissive as opposed to, wow, I really am harming people and I need to learn how not to and I also need to learn other avenues for my aggression. And what's difficult is most parents will get so angry at an aggressive child that now the parent is angry and aggressive. The child's aggression is further aggravated and all of this occurs not only on an emotional level but in the brain and the neurotransmitters so that you have these really primitive responses coming from parents to a child and a child to a sibling. You know, families also can contribute to bullying when when the children clearly... Um, uh, when, when, uh, let me say this again. When families don't take a child's explanation about abuse taking place in the schools very, very seriously, then and they don't intervene, then that family is actually allowing more room for the child to be abused than um, if the family comes and says, you know what, you are being abused, we're going to intervene effectively. And then the family intervenes effectively, it teaches the child to learn how to self-represent and self-intervene effectively as well. We're going to talk about what that ability to teach a child to self-represent or self-defense is in a moment. And I just want to wake you up to cyberbullying. Cyberbullying takes place on Facebook where individuals will slander another person. They'll develop hate Facebook pages against another person. They'll enter into the page of the gossip. It can be horrible. And because they can do it anonymously or they can do it without getting verbally uh, uh, reprimanded by parents who often are not aware, and because they can get away with doing these sorts of things um, because the person being insulted may not want to talk about it out of embarrassment and shame and get away with it. You know, bullies become even bigger bullies when they can get away with it. That's one of the key formulas. The algorithm for creating a bully is um, the algorithm. The algorithm for creating a bully, one component of it is if the bully can get away with it, the bullying will increase. So bullying can also occur on the, in the gaming rooms as well. What is so interesting is that um, the predatory behavior uh, of the bullies on the Internet is, is pretty extreme. Uh, and um, a child needs to learn how to defend themselves against it. First, you have... Uh, so I guess maybe now is the time to really talk about what you can do about it. But let's go to that. But one thing before I do that... I want to just give you some statistics about um, cyberbullying. Bullying predominantly takes place over texting, which to me is it's like a huge percentage compared to the others, like in the 60 percentile, where the rest of them are in 10 to 30 percent. And then I find that really interesting that children would allow themselves to be bullied on texts uh, because they can turn the phone off or they can block the person texting them, and they don't need to respond. It suggests to me. Uh, children not knowing what to do when they're under fire like that. Um, here, 42% of all children admit that they're bullied online. And 25% of those 42% say it happens more than once. 35% of the children have been threatened online, threatened online. And 20% said that happened more than once. 21% state that they have received threatening email. And 58% of the children say 
that they admit to receiving trolling, hurtful, ridiculing, cut-down messages from someone, and 40% say it has happened more than once. You know how many people say they actually have also bullied? It's between 30 to 40% as well. So there's, there's a lack of innocence on the part of the, uh, the child who's bullied as well. But do you want to know, parents, that only about 58% of them actually, you know, about about third, about oh, about 40% of children, there we go, now I've got the right statistic out, about 40% of the children actually admit to their parents that they're being bullied. Hmm. Don't think you know what's going on unless you are going out there and investigating yourself. Let's look at some solutions. We've got to have some solutions. There's no reason to go on about this if we don't have some solutions. First thing, parents, there you have got to teach your children. You have got to fortify your children. Grow them into individuals that can handle the situation sagely, sagely, with savvy, with effectiveness, and keeping themselves safe. You cannot afford to be hands-off. You cannot afford to be distracted or neglectful. And you cannot afford to be naive. So what I would suggest is that you work very hard from age zero on to always establish open communication, number one. Number two, always establish an ability to talk about the difficult subjects. What are the difficult subjects? One of which is bullying. One of which is meanness and aggression and anger and anxiety and those sorts of things. So you can put that in the category of sex, drugs, but anger and aggression and being bullied and they're right up there. Friendly and open investigation to their internet activity. I would recommend it. There are all sorts of parental controls as well. And if you have to secretively investigate into what's going on into the inter- into their internet history, I would suggest you do it. Now I'm not a big fan of overly investigating or creating a paranoia on your child's life, but it's better to have been nosy than it to be too late. Openly discuss how bullies penetrate, how they deceive, how they manipulate, what their tricks are, how they demean and dominate, how they troll on them, how they insidiously kind of come in, it's a little bit mean, a little tantalizing, a little bit seductive, a little bit opening up a discussion, just say, I'm just joking around with you, and yet the comments get meaner and meaner and meaner. Once the bully has you established in a relationship, they can tend to keep you pretty engaged in the abusive interchange going on. It's one of the tricks of bullying. I think it's one reason why texting is such a big venue for this is that you can be bullied, and then you want to respond. You want to defend yourself. You want to say, how dare you? You want to correct the misperception. You want to challenge. You want to stand up. You have now become engaged in the battle. And that's one of the bully's wishes is that you will become engaged in the battle. It's a way of connection. It's fun. It's dominant. If your child has been exposed to any sort of abuse in childhood, whether by you or someone else or any sort of verbal dominance, if your child tends to have it tends to be raised to be very compliant and very conforming. If your child is, has a dependent personality, you really need to intervene uh, into helping them know how to stand up for themselves, think for themselves, express themselves, disagree with authority, disagree with the bullies, um, and, and be able to know who they are and really define their identity without self-harm, without harming anybody else, but definitely be able to defend themselves. Here's another thing that's really difficult is that self-defense or defending, 
Fighting the bully is not the solution. Defending yourself is only done for your own sense of integrity. You are not there to try to to revive the bully, to open their eyes, to make them say they're sorry. Forget it, drop it. Don't get involved in any of that. It's a waste of your time to focus on the bully. What is important is that you move yourself back and your child back into a state of stability, safety, clarity, not engaging in unnecessary activities with the bully. And if he does have to engage, figure or he or she does have to engage in activities with the bully, figuring out how to do it. So what are you going to do? That's what you're going to do. First, help your child know where they do not need to go, know where they were not to be seen. Secondly, help your child always know to go public. Don't stay hidden. Help them to go to the trusted authorities that will do something about it. Thirdly, teach them some self-defense tactics. Take them some classes. Give them some self-confidence that they can take care of themselves beyond the fear and the terror and intimidation of the moment so that they don't have to walk around looking afraid, looking weak, because the more afraid and weak they look, the more vulnerable they're going to be to come up on the radar of the bullies. On the other hand, it's not... You don't want to lure the bullies to you by trying to hide from them. You want to know how to stay away out from your radar. Thirdly, you know, next parents, don't blame your child. Find out what's occurring. Help your child understand what they can do differently. But be very careful not to blame your child because that means you are actually making them feel even more like they deserve the bullying and no one does. Finally, walking away is optimal always, but when walking away doesn't work, make sure you have a lot of places to go, people to stay with, and these are really relatively superficial interventions in the moment. This is a complicated situation because bullying has been part of the fabric of society ever since there's been cultures and civilization. Bullying is a part of the role, the fitness, the survival of the fitness, where one person dominates and the others are subordinates, and that's, again, a part of the fabric of human dynamic. Um, bullying is also a part of some uh, psychological disorders, at least as we describe them in the United States. And some of those psychological disorders that you want to know that your bullies may be expressing include, or but are not limited to the following. They could um, have attention deficit disorder with hyperactivity, impulse control disorder, opposition disorder, conduct disorder, intermittent, intermittent aggressive disorder, narcissistic personality disorder. They might be in the manic phase of a bipolar or mood disturbance. And if the child has some sort of form of depression, they may be trying to express it by overcompensating in some sort of aggressive activity. You have to remember that the children who are bullies have a lot of history that we don't understand that you want to be cognizant of, not so that you condone their behavior or even provide them with some really oddly motivating sympathy. Sympathy is one thing, but making sure that you provide the guidance for the bullies so that they know exactly how it hurts and feels and what other alternatives they have to handle their aggression or to handle their lowered self-esteem but be very wary that when you're working with a bully, you may be working with someone who can con you better than you can smile. Well, this is Dr. Carol Francis. I'm very aware that this topic really needs to have a lot more than this said about it. I think that's enough to digest for now. I thank you for tuning in again, 
And I want to let you know that if you go to RelationshipSuccessNow.com, RelationshipSuccessNow.com, which you will see on the cover of this particular show, you will see a page. It's called you know, Surviving Bullies or, or Bullying Survival. You will see a page that has all sorts of resources, Internet, uh, YouTube, um, discussions, statistics, insights for you to take a peek at. And that is a very organic page. It's always growing and developing. There's going to be a whole other um, series of things added to it in terms of remedies or what to offer. Um, I've put YouTubes on there that are good for children to see and really good for adults to see as well so that they can take um, encouragement from the children that have been brave, learn lessons from the children who have committed suicide, and um, be able to know that they're not alone if they're being bullied. Dr. Carol Francis, I wish you all very well. Please don't hesitate to blog me. Talk to me. Tell me your story. And I look forward to talking to you down the road. Best.